Father God, would you please speak now through my words, speak to our hearts and our minds, and help us to know your love. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated? There are times when God tests us. Notice how Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's the devil who does the tempting, but it is the Spirit who leads Jesus into the place where he will be tempted. And there's the reason that God tests us. It's not to make us fail or fall, far from it. Rather, it is to strip us of our false idols, the things that we put in his place. It's to turn us back to him, to teach us, so that we learn to rely on him, and so that we discover more of his immense love for us, so that he can fill us with his love, so that he can prepare us for heaven and to make us radiant. We are tested not because God wants to crush us, but because we are his beloved children and he wants to build us and to grow us. The writer to the Hebrews says, Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? And even Jesus, the writer to the Hebrews says, learnt obedience through what he suffered. I'd like to look at three stories of testing in the Bible. First, there's the testing of Adam and Eve. Adam was a son of God. We're told that because uh, Luke, when Luke gives us the, uh, the, tells us about the descendants uh, of Jesus, he, he begins with Joseph, the son of Heli, and then he ends that list and he says, Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. And Adam was tested by God. God places his son and his daughter in the Garden of Eden. He says that they can eat of any tree in the garden, but there is a test. He places in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he tells them that they are not to eat of it. Do you know, that is really like God. I looked up just, uh, just, uh, just a few minutes ago because I suddenly thought, how many trees are there in our world? A billion? Actually, apparently there are three trillion trees. And that's in our current world. Imagine a world in which there were very, very few people. How many trillions of trees were there there? And God gave Adam and Eve trillions of trees. And he said, you can eat of all of them. There's only one I don't want you to eat from. And it's that one. You see, God wants to us to respond to his love with our free love. We're not supercomputers advanced AI, programmed with a base logic from which we cannot deviate. He gives us something that is deeper than logic. He gives us genuine choice. 
And Adam and Eve, and by the way, this is not just their story, this is our story. They're tempted by the devil in the shape of the serpent. They see that the tree was good for food. It looked amazing. The first way that the devil tempts us is not through pride. It's not through sex. It's through food. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that the first of Jesus' temptations is to do with food, turning stones into bread. Perhaps there really is something to be said for giving up chocolate for Lent. (laughs) (laughs) And we're told that the fruit was a delight to the eyes. They wanted it, not just to wonder at it, to praise God for creating such beauty, but they wanted it to possess it for themselves. And again, and I think this is the crucial point, the devil told Eve that if she ate of the fruit, she would be like God, knowing good and evil. So they desired it because it would make them wise, because it would make them like God. Rather than living as sons and daughters of God in a relationship of love and trust with God their Father, they chose to try to become like God, rivals to God. Adam and Eve failed, and in them we see how we fail. But it's not the end. And the second story is the story of the testing of the people of Israel in the wilderness. In those 40 years that they journeyed from Egypt to the Promised Land, we're now about 4,000 years ago, God calls the people of Israel his firstborn son, That's interesting. Adam, son of God. Israel, my firstborn son. In his love, he hears their cry for mercy because they were slaves in Egypt, bitterly oppressed. And he gives them the promise of a land. But in order to travel from Egypt to the promised land, they need to go through the wilderness for 40 years. And the wilderness was a time for testing. There's a remarkable passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Moses speaks to the people. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That is so inefficient of God, if you don't mind me saying. God makes them hungry and then feeds them. Why not skip the hungry bit and just give them dinner straight away? (laughs) But if God had provided food for them, then they would have forgotten him. It was because they were hungry they turned to him. It was because they were hungry that they realised that life is not just about bread, about the physical, but that we live in complete dependence on the word of God. It was because they were hungry that they, when they were fed, they realised that everything they had came from God. It was not theirs by right. It was not theirs because they'd earned it, but it was gift. It was because they were hungry and then they were fed 
they realised they were dependent on God and could trust in God. The problem is that many of them did not. They saw the amazing provision of God and yet they still chose to reject God. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Again, very interesting. The first thing they say is, we want to go back to Egypt because the food was really good there. <laughs> they create the idols of silver and they say, these are our gods. They complain about God. They say God intends us harm, not good. And although God calls them his sons and daughters, they do not wish to live as his sons and daughters. They set up rivals to God. And as we read through the rest of the Old Testament, we learn that the majority reject God. They fail the test. But it was not the end. There are a few, a faithful few, who do put their trust in God. And today we read about the testing of Jesus. Jesus has just been baptised. This is important. A voice from heaven, this is just in the previous verses, has said, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Just like Adam, the son of God who was tempted. Just like the people of Israel, the son of God who was tempted. So now the unique son of God is tested. And like that other son of God, the people of Israel, all those years earlier, Jesus was led into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. They were in the wilderness 40 years. And that's significant. And he was tested. Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he had come to do to bring in the kingdom of God. He knew how he was called to do it, to preach the kingdom, to do kingdom business, and to die on the cross. But now in the wilderness, like the people of Israel of old, he's given a choice. A choice to obey God and his word, to do things God's way, or to reject God and do things his own way. He was made hungry and tempted to turn stones into bread, but he refused. He'd come, to, uh, he'd come to be a servant of others, not to use his power for himself. It's interesting, Jesus refused to feed himself, but he fed other people. Jesus refused to save himself on the cross, but he saved other people. Very interesting, when he hangs on the cross, they jeer at him and they say, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Exactly the same words. Jesus refused to turn stones into bread, but he gave his life as bread for others. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, that passage we've just read, and says that one must live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he was tempted to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. It would make a wonderful spectacle People would flock to him. He would be a celebrity. They would see how God took care of his servants. But he refused. He knows that he must do things God's way, not his way. There were times when he did dramatic stuff, calming storms, raising people from the dead, rising from the dead. Interestingly, they did not convince everyone the event that draws people to Jesus 
is not his miracles, but his love, his obedient, chosen death on the cross for us. And Jesus is tempted to use his authority and his power to seize the kingdoms of the world. It would mean that he could claim his kingdom without the cross, but it would mean not doing it God's way, but Satan's way. No doubt he would have involved raising an army and conquering his enemies, but Jesus refuses. He could have done it, but by doing it, he will turn people into a slave people. He will strip us of dignity. We, we will do the right thing, but we would have no choice but to do the right thing. And it would mean that he would break the father-son relationship and set himself up as a rival God. And so Jesus says that he will worship only God and he will do things God's way even if it means going to the cross. So there's the testing of the Son of God, Adam. There's the testing of the Son of God, the people of Israel. There's the testing of the one and only unique Son of God. But fourthly, there's the testing of you and me, those of us who have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus, who are called sons and daughters of God, John says, all who received him, he gives the right to be called a son and daughter of God. And when the testing comes, do we reject God as Adam and Eve rejected him? Do we reject God as the majority of the people of Israel rejected him? Or will we, with Jesus, be faithful to him? When the testing comes, and it will come, Will we finally stand firm in our identity as sons and daughters of God? Will we use our gifts and our power for ourselves or for others? We'll be tempted to use the gifts that God gives us for ourselves, satisfying our own cravings and desires, exploiting any position of power that we have, using it in a way that does not honour God, that abuses other people and strips them of freedom and dignity, using them to get financial or material or sexual advantage for ourselves. Or we can live as children of God, using the gifts that God has given us for God and his kingdom in the service of others. Or will we be tempted to sit in judgment on, on God and not let him sit in judgment on us? Fascinating. The temptation is for Jesus to stand on the top of the temple and throw himself off and try and force God's hand. But the temple was not made to be a place that you stood on. The temple was the place that people were meant to be inside, worshipping God, not setting the agenda for God, not judging God, but allowing God to set the agenda for them, to judge them. Someone said to me recently, they, they were having a crisis of faith. They've been praying about the present situation, been praying for peace for the last year, and nothing seems to happen. In fact, it just gets worse and there seems no way out. And so they said they were tempted to give up on God. Of course, we would love to see the miraculous answer. Of course, we long for peace. We long to see God overrule in a dramatic way. Who knows, it might happen in that way. 
But God's children are called to let God be God. To let God do things his way. And when he doesn't give us what we think is right or what we want, we need to persevere despite the hardships. Despite the dreadful suffering that we see, the suffering, our own suffering, and the seeming silence of God to our prayer. We're still called to be faithful, to love and to serve, to weep with those who suffer, and to pray for peace and work for peace. We're not to be standing on top of the temple, making judgments over God, trying to force God's hand. We're to be on our knees in the temple, seeking God. And thirdly, will we be tempted to go the way of power, of compulsion, of seizing the kingdom for God? Never think you can seize the kingdom of God by power. Never think you can do what is right by seizing it with power. Never think you can bring the kingdom of God by getting powerful or wealthy people on your side. When people have tried to conquer in the name of Jesus, it has always worked out disastrously. Even today, 900 years later, we live with the tragic consequences of the Crusades. What perverted logic made us think then that we could bring in the kingdom by military conquest in the sign of the cross? The way of the children of God is the way of the cross, the way of self-denial, of silence before persecutors, of the willingness to die for our enemies. If you are a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus, then the Spirit will lead you into the wilderness, into a place of testing. At times it will be very hard. Like Adam and Eve, your desires will tempt you to do what you know is wrong, even to set yourself up as a rival God. Like the people of Israel, you'll be tempted to think that God does not exist or that he means you harm and not good. And you'll be tempted to give up on him or to go back to your old life. And like Jesus, you will be tempted to avoid walking the way of the cross. But do not despair when you are tempted or tested. We are children of God. We are not on our own. Jesus has been there. He knows and he has conquered and he is with us. And we are told that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. The most radiant, God-reflecting Christians who I know are the people who have been through the fire of testing and temptation. They have failed and repented. They have failed again and repented again many times. But despite their failures, they have stood firm in their faith in Jesus. They've kept going back to Jesus. And in the end, they have walked through the fire with Jesus. And they have become fire.
Father God, thank you for the promise that there is, you will not give us temptations that we cannot bear, that there will be ways out. Thank you that you have promised to be with us and thank you that you are the one who conquered. Help us in you to stand firm. In Jesus' name, amen.